Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. <laughs> Hello. Yeah, I I can hear you, but you you're breaking up. I I don't know why. One, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three. You think that's how that went? Um, okay. Harvey, check. Uh, go ahead and click on the Skype thing really quick and see what the bars are doing. If it's white, then that means we've got a good signal. If it's red, that means we've got a weak signal. Okay, I can see it. It's white. So we've got a strong signal. So it's got to be something. If it was on our end, then it would be red. It would be like caution lights or something. Um, try hanging up again. And Rick, we're going to hang up and call you back again just for the heck of it. Okay. Rick, can you hear me? Yes. We're going to hang up and then call you back. Works for us. Okay. Oh, there. Yeah, now we got an image. Uh, okay, I see what the problem is. Yeah. So, th- that's the camera right the camera. Okay, we cool. have to uh, okay. We have to disconnect this one and then, but we can turn it and disconnect the direction. She's the done. Okay. So, is this working okay, Joe? All right, and the picture is uh, pretty foggy. In other words, you got too much light in back of you. There's a conflict there. Hold on, we can, I can handle that. That can be fixed mechanically. Yes. Can you do uh, maybe a little bit more, okay. less light? Yep.
Well, that's a definite improvement. The only thing I can suggest now is the fluorescent light above. Still light? How's that? Oh, well, that's that's uh, too dark now. <laughs> too much <laughs> contrast there. How's that? Oh, no, that doesn't work too well either. Which would you prefer? <clears throat> You have a guest lamp or All right, that helps. Now I don't know if you can try dropping the fluorescent light up ceiling again or um, maybe a partial opening on those blinds. Oh, yeah, that helps. Me. Yeah. Okay. How's this working? Ah, oh, that's much better. Okay. Yeah, much better. That's about the best we can do, uh, Joe. <laughs> okay, well, we'll go ahead and hang loose here and I'll get the show started, okay? All right, sir. Thank you. Thank you. Critical thinking will defrag your mind of propaganda-ridden viruses induced by mass media news programming. No BS here, just the facts. And now we present to you America's quintessential iconoclastic anomaly. Wow. In talk radio, your host, Joe Cristiano. Welcome, everyone, to Liberty Talk Radio, America's libertarian voice, broadcasting from our studio in Tulsa, Oklahoma, to around the world. I'm your host, Joe Cristiano, and this is your antidote to popular talk radio. Folks, it's time for us to take back control of our government. Now before this bureaucratic, oversized, and self-serving federal government starves us of our property, our freedom, our rights, and our liberty. But to do this, we must shed conventional thinking regarding our political structure. We need to be revolutionaries in thought, dissidents in action, only after we recognize what our government is doing to our freedom and our Constitution, will we start taking it back. And this program is just about that. Today, we are absolutely pleased to have Rick Rule back as our guest. He's a returning guest. He's a legendary commodities investor. And uh, he is the uh, founder of Sprat US, uh, a, a U.S. Holding and president of Spot uh, Asset Management. Um, uh, we're going to talk about the situation with commodities today and how it fits in this convoluted world that we have that's, I think, very confusing for everyone. It's gotten me scared to heck, um, especially after the speech that I heard our president give yesterday. And we'll see where we're going with the economy and how that's going to affect the entire commodities uh, market. Rick, welcome back to Liberty Talk Radio. Joe, it's always a pleasure. Thank you for having me back. Thank you. Believe me, it's a, my, my pleasure entirely. Uh, I, I want to, uh, it's, it's kind of interesting. You had mentioned on, on more than one occasion that, you know, you, you weren't a, uh, a portfolio manager. You were a credit, a credit, credit man, I think you, you call yourself, right? Well, I think what I disclaimed is any, is any sense of being an economist. 
Yeah, you're not uh, economists or credit analysts, right? Well, surprisingly, I was a credit analyst for Royal Dutch Shell many years ago. I never told you that, you know. And, and um, uh, I did work uh, analyzing, you know, balance sheets for large companies that bought humongous barrels of fuel and stuff like that. And it was kind of interesting ferreting out, you know, through all the mumbo jumbo to find out if these people really had the ability to pay. I, I wanted to mention that to you because I never did. And I said, you know, before I go, I'm going to mention that to them. Well, you know, I, I, I don't think I have ever been as concerned about not only the economy, but the entire state of affairs of our country more today than ever before. It started bef- before the dot-com crash, when I had people that I knew that had excellent jobs that literally left high-paying jobs, and some of them were commission jobs, um, uh, and, and just to be in the stock market because they wanted to you know, trade dot-com stocks. And I thought these people were nuts, but I and also felt like I was missing the train, like I was living in years past. Well, ever since that time, all of my skepticism really has been correct. My timing has been horrible, but my skepticism was right. And, and today, I, I really feel, I think, more concerned today than ever, because we're not talking about a sector going bad or just a market going bad. It seems that an entire economy has lost its footing. And I, I'd like to quote um, my old Baizan, uh, uh, Gerald Salente, well, I'm sure you know him, the trends forecaster. And he said, you know, you have a crash, then you have, it's followed by a recession, and which leads to a currency war, which leads to trade war, which leads to world war. And it sure seems that Trump is beating those drums between trade and currency wars. I, I don't know if you feel the same or if I'm just misguided, I'm just a negative gnat type of thing, but what's, I'm trying, trying to get your feeling, and, and by the way, I, I, I love platinum. <laughs> I want you to know that, and I know you're not supposed to fall in love with your, your, your commodities, but I, I just love platinum, <laughs> and, and, but I wanted to throw that in there. But I want to see what your feelings are and see how far off base am I. You're a hell of a lot smarter than I am. Well, I think my own my own feelings are mixed, Joe. You um, you can't look at the global political fabric and not be afraid. Um, while Trump is the politician that is gr- of greatest risk to us because he's closest to us, the political class on a global basis, uh, I-, I think, is out of touch with the needs of humanity. And I guess that's their job. And that makes you feel pessimistic. On the other hand, uh, when I travel to emerging and frontier markets, and see the progress that people are making on their own behalf on the ground. When I go to basket case countries in Africa and look at dirt crossroads and see 50 or 60 women at the crossroads with an informal market, ignoring the government, doing business with each other across ethnicity and religion, uh, I feel pretty positive. The truth is for everything that's wrong with the world, and everything that's wrong with the United States, the United States in particular, is still a culture where six pimply-faced kids can commandeer a garage in Sunnyvale, California, and out pops Google, which makes $2 billion a quarter. My hope, 
show, my belief too, my hope is that the ascent of man and the actions of individuals looking to solve market problems for their own benefit is such a spectacular fundamental that even the worst excesses of the sort of uh, community of the politicians isn't sufficient to overcome it. When I look at the advances that are being made in exploration technology in oil and gas and mining, and I juxtapose those advances against the idiocy of regulation, the perniciousness of taxation, which takes away resources from the productive class, I still feel inside me that the spirit of mankind the spirit ex- ex- exemplified by organizations like Students for Liberty right. is strong enough that we will ultimately defeat the collectivist forces. But it's going to be a hell of a fight. Well, that, that, that's uplifting. It really is because I, 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 I don't hear words such as that very often. And, and you're right. I, 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 I agree with you that there are forces that are um, – not as evident to the man on the street, especially if you just watch television all day, you're not going to hear these, but you are going to hear them from people who are actually doing the work, but they're silent. They're relatively silent compared to all the other noise. And, and that's a, that's a little disturbing. You know, I'm a, I'm sorry. Producers are too busy producing. That's right. No, I, I, you have this this whining class out there. uh, And you, you have this class who's, you know, sort of life force force is spent on being parasites. Uh, but I, I had the good fortune yesterday to be on a, spi- a, a Skype call with some young students from Central Africa, Burundi and Rwanda uh, in particular. A- a- and I think there were about 20 kids on that call, any one of which ought to be in Congress, right. uh, replacing anyone who is in conference. These are young African kids who get so much the fact that what the world needs is individual initiative and private solutions to perceived public programs. And when you talk to these young people and students for liberty, irrespective of whether they're in um, Kigali, uh, Rwanda, or in Tulsa, Oklahoma, uh, the truth is I'm so much more attracted to those kids than I am to us. Uh, it, it, when the world passes into their hands, I, I suspect it'll be a better place. No, I agree. I'm a, fin- I, I'm a financial supporter also. I've been for many years Students for Liberty, and we've had people, you know, some of the um, uh, heads of Students for Liberty on our program, and I enjoy speaking with them. I applaud them, and I, and I agree with you. When I see uh, those people, especially those from Africa, which really surprised me, they, they are so vibrant, they're so optimistic, they're so individualistic, you would never expect it from them. But what, what bothers me, Rick, is that when I compare the attitude about freedom, liberty, and individuality, and productivity 
that comes ooze out of these the pores of these kids and compare them to so many of the students that we have today that are sitting around waiting to get their college degree so someone can, can give them a paycheck and don't understand even some of the very basics of what these young students in Africa are talking about. You can't even compare the two. Now, I'm not talking for everyone. I'm just talking that there's too many on the other side of the fence that's really starting to bother me. Oh, it bothers me too, Joe, but uh, the truth is that we we have a choice ourselves between what we focus on and what we do with our lives. Uh, I, I remember a wonderful headline years ago on a hippie journal called the Whole Earth Catalog, uh, where Stuart Brand, his byline was, workers of the world disperse, uh, a sort of a takeoff on the old workers of the world unite. Right. Yeah. And, and what we need to do, Joe, uh, our investors at Sprott, our shareholders at Sprott, your listeners, is focus on making the world a better place by making productive investments, both in our time and with our money. And to the extent that we possibly can, ignore the chattering classes, even as we improve ourselves to defend ourselves against it. Where I have a problem is when we have a government that is current debt is $2.17 trillion. Um, uh, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, 20 point, 20, 20. Yeah. I'm sorry. It, it, right? it, it, the zero, zero fell out of my head. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and climbing at a, at a rate. And if you look at the debt clock of the money coming in versus the money going out, the money going out, you can't read it so fast. Um, the money coming in, you can read, you know, it's a little slower. And, uh, um, and, and, and then we have a Congress um, and, and a president and staffing and secretaries who are just enamored with the fact that we have the biggest bombs, the biggest aircraft carriers, the fastest airplanes, uh, da, 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 and, and we can defeat anyone in war, and we're spending more and more and more and then giving more and more and more aid when we are – Virtually, we're bankrupt. I mean, if you look at it from a balance sheet point of view, you know we, we have no money. And no one talks to that whatsoever. Um, this is what bothers me, is that we don't have the people who are elected officials, the people who are making the decisions, making rational decisions. People say, that, well, Trump's a businessman. In my book, he's not. He's not a businessman at all. Any businessman, the first thing you do is you open it up and you say, let me see your source and disposition of funds. And if I don't like what I see, you're out. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, you and I do did this all the time. You know, look at it. You go, you're out of balance. Sorry, you've wasted my time. But this guy, you know, you can show him it. He says, good, let's spend another $3 trillion. I, I, I'm, I'm missing something. I don't think you're missing much. Uh, I'm not. I don't think that Trump is a businessman. I think he's a brand manager. Okay. Uh, and one of the things that you learn in marketing is that most people don't want to be educated. They want affirmation. He has found a very large class of people for whom his views, which differ from yours and mine, of course, are affirmational. But what's most important in terms of defending yourself, Joe, is to do what you've done. Uh, take stock of the situation, which is. $20 trillion in on-balance sheet liabilities and $110 trillion in off-balance sheet liabilities and think, first of all, how does this impact you? Because defending yourself from 
the depredations of society and providing for yourself in the face of this unsolvable problem is the most important social act that you can uh, accomplish. The second most important social act you're doing right now, you're bringing the message, you're bringing the truth, you're bringing an incentive to understand the problem from a real perspective, not a made up perspective, and influencing people one at a time. It is true that Mr. Trump gets to influence people 100 million at a time, but you and I can't worry too much about that. We don't have access to 100 million people. We have to do what we do in guerrilla fashion, the way we do it. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, at best, it's, it's discouraging. <laughs> it's tiring and discouraging. And sometimes I think I just want to maybe get a place in Ecuador or something like that and hide, hide, hide on the beach and <laughs> stay there for the rest of my life. I remember, uh, you know, 20 years ago, Joe, I was considering um, giving up my U.S. passport and uh, decamping myself personally. And a friend of mine who actually didn't share my points of view but he was sympathetic to me, said, you know, Rick, I think for you that's the wrong course of action. Uh, What's happening is that there are so many rats on the ship that they're driving you off. And what you ought to do is work very hard to drive the rats off. And I've decided from my own point of view, culturally, uh, I'm American, an old-style American, the type of American that believes in things like the Bill of Rights and individual initiatives. And the idea that Trump should drive me to expatriate rather than me driving Trump to expatriate would seem to me like a personal failing. And so from my own point of view, I'm going to uh, I'm going to follow the political political philosophy of Spock. I'm going to live long and prosper and I'm going to use my own prosperity to spread the message of individual initiative and capitalism. In other words, I'm going to tell people how it is that I have uh, come to live the lifestyle which I do, which is a wonderful lifestyle. Mm. Yeah. You know, people say, well, you know, you know, why do I live the way I live very modestly? My sons are always complaining, Dad, you can buy any car you want. You can buy a Lamborghini. You buy this used car. Why? I said, because that's what I need. I just needed something to haul some stuff around. I didn't know, you know. And they go, we have all this money. I said, you don't understand. I have all this money because I don't spend my money frivolously. <laughs> you know, and it's, it's like, you know, you have money, so you just spend it. Because on television, you see all these programs of these uh, multi-millionaires and billionaires, and they, you know, go out and buy yachts and all that. And they, yeah, there's a few people that can do that, but not many. But the people who really have money and have amassed a, 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 a good portfolio and a solid ground, worked very hard for many, many years, and they didn't do it by just spending money willy-nilly and, you know, buying fancy cars when they wanted. They did it because they sacrificed for a hell of a long time. And people don't realize that today. Well, Joe... That's that's the most important message, uh, and, and it's a message that needs to be learned both by your listeners and also by Congress. When I was very young, I was taught a little ditty, which I'd like to recite for you. Please. It goes like this. When your outgo exceeds your income, your upkeep becomes your downfall. If that was repeated often enough through society, we wouldn't have any problems whatsoever. What it suggests is as an example, in order to be a capitalist, one must have some capital. 
You know, in Puerto Rico today, unfortunately, there's a tremendous hurricane, which brings back the sense that you need to save for a rainy day. Right. Puerto Rico, and by extension, the United States hasn't saved for a very long time. And the consequence of that is that the deferred sustaining capital investments in Puerto Rico, and by extension, the United States haven't been made. So the storm is much more catastrophic than it would have been. And recovery will also be more difficult for the individuals in Puerto Rico than it would have been had they saved for a rainy day. Mm. The, the hurricane gives me an excuse to solidify the concept of a rainy day. But the truth is, if you think about the ability of society to prepare from and recover from the hurricane, it puts into context that little ditty. When your outgo exceeds your income, your upkeep becomes your downfall. Saving for a rainy day and saving to have the ability to make your money work for you rather than you working for your money is what life is all about. Saving and investing is what that part of your life is all about. Yeah. And, And unfortunately, I think if you said that in today's public schools, you get two years of hard labor. You know that. But I, but I have to tell you what I told you doing it, Joe, by the way, I've, I've been speaking to church groups. I've been speaking to uh, students for Liberty. And the truth is that they, they give you some bemused smirks. The idea in the context of speaking out is not a sense that you can convert a hundred out of a hundred. It's the fact that you can, can, that you can give voice to the internal beliefs of four out of a hundred that haven't been reached. Remember, Joe, somebody reached you 30 right. years ago. That's right. Somebody yep. reached me 30 right. years ago. Right. It's our duty, having been reached, to reach out and not feel discouraged by those that we can't convert, but rather to understand that those that we can convert can convert others. You know, I like those words. And, I, and you know, quite frankly, I'll be very honest, I needed those words because I get very, very discouraged. Because so much work and effort is put into this, and sometimes I go, you know, why, why, why don't I just go home and watch some I Love Lucy reruns? I mean, why am I wasting that? But I have to tell you, my last conversation with my son when he complained about this old junker that I bought because I had to put my bikes in something, you know, because <laughs> my wife and I bike a lot. And, and so I bought this old van, but in great condition. It was brand new, but it's an old van, you know. And he said, what did you buy an old van for? He said, you can buy any car. Why don't you buy a Lamborghini? That's what you should buy, you know. I said, well, Paul, I said, quite frankly, that's not exactly accurate. I said, um, I can probably afford to buy the Lamborghini dealership, but I digress. And he went nuts. <laughs> I did tell him exactly that. And I, I got so much pleasure in seeing him get so upset. <laughs> you would have enjoyed that. Now, I have to ask you about my favorite, my favorite mineral, and that's platinum. And I know you know everything there is to know about platinum. Uh, you know, I know you're not supposed to fall in love with your commodities. <laughs> but I have been a commodities, a, a platinum investor. Uh, I accumulate platinum. I... Um, uh, I, I know something about it. I, I know how it's 20 to 30 percent, I believe, more rare than gold. It, it has some attributes of gold has, but has some things that it doesn't have. Um, it's now, I guess, highly depressed relative to the price of gold. It's like $300 less than the price of gold. And um, wh- 
I, I think what killed it was the fact that the catalytic converters are now using palladium and they're scrubbing the, uh, the uh, catalytic converters and recycling the platinum, which decreases demand and other things. But demand apparently is down. Uh, where do you see platinum going? And convince me I should stop loving it. <laughs> I, I can't convince you that you should stop loving it. I myself like both platinum and palladium. The thing that's really hurt the platinum market in the last little while has been the Volkswagen scandal and the declining demand for uh, diesel vehicles. What you say, uh, the increasing substitution of palladium for platinum in catalytic converters works in gasoline cars, not in diesel cars. I see. Diesel burns hotter. And in the higher performance, hotter burning emissions engines, you still need platinum in catalytic converters. The uh, diesel emission standards scandal involving Volkswagen has reduced demand for uh, diesel vehicles on a global basis, which has reduced demand for platinum. The bull case in platinum goes like this. In commercial applications, that is long-haul trucking and stuff like that, uh, and in things like locomotives, it's unlikely that gasoline will ever replace diesel. And to the extent, particularly in the Chinese market, that air quality standards increase in frontier markets, again, particularly China, to U.S. standards, which, by the way, the Chinese have said will happen, the need to reformulate diesel fuels in those markets away from high sulfur diesel to uh, California standard diesel, if you will, will allow the retrofitting of those diesel vehicles with catalytic converters employing platinum. That's on the demand side. On the supply side, remember that almost all the platinum in the world is produced in three countries, South Africa, Zimbabwe, and Russia. And each country has structural problems, of course, with the Russian problems being the least. In South Africa, the world's dominant producer of platinum, I believe about 70% of world supplies from one country, the particular problem is that at least 65% of the platinum production in that country is uneconomic at current platinum prices. Right. Not as uneconomic as it was, because the South African rand has fallen in price. So the costs to produce it have gone down. But remember this, this is a capital intensive business with no access to capital. This is a business that needs to raise workers wages, but they can't because they don't make any money. They need to make sustaining capital investments, but they can't because they don't need any, they don't make any money. And they need to raise additional capital for their business but they can't because the political and social challenges in South Africa right. are such that South Africans won't invest in South African business, and neither will mining investors like myself who have invested there for 30 years. The truth is that the upside in platinum is on the supply side because what happens if you produce a commodity for many years and sell it for less than the cost of production is that you cannibalize the capital in the business and you impair your ability to produce. When you balance supply and demand by systematically destroying the means of production, what that happens is when the, when the market price of platinum begins to rise, it can't be addressed by increasing supply. 
because you no longer have the ability to supply that platinum. Right. I don't know when this occurs, Joe. That requires a crystal ball, and mine is cracked and cloudy. <laughs> but the truth is, with 65% of platinum production worldwide uneconomic, the truth is that it is a, an, a when question, not an if question, in terms of running into gross supply disruptions in platinum. And looking further at South Africa, the pressure is on, first of all, to increase the uh, social take in the pie, uh, which is hardly a way to raise capital, and also to increase workers' wages. And make no mistake, the workers' wages need to be increased. It's just that they can't be because the structure of the industry is uneconomic. Yeah, I, I will continue. That I, I guess what we're saying, what you're saying, in effect, is um, uh, it's it's an opportunity now with enough patience and fortitude, and if you can afford to do so, continue to increase your um, investment. Don't let loose of your investment in platinum. The future, if you. If your future is, if you if you were patient enough, eventually you'll be rewarded for your patience. I, I suspect that's what you're saying. It's interesting that we're having this discussion. I'm uh, about a, a month from now going to do uh, uh, an online interview, a webinar with the uh, Platinum Guild, where oh. I spend an hour talking about platinum markets. And when that product is done, I'll email you. And if you'd like to... Uh, access that interview or talk about it after it's done, I'd be happy to have the discussion. I'm fascinated with platinum and you know that we have a product, the Sprott Physical Platinum and Palladium Trust. Yeah, the SPPP? Yes. Yes. Yeah, I've invested in that. Yes. And that will, it is that product that will be sponsoring the interview and we're doing it as a sort of an educational feature so that investors in that product can learn more about the uh, underlying markets that that product is involved in. And so as a shareholder and as an opinion shaper, I will happily share the contents of that discussion okay. with you. That's great. Okay. Appreciate that. Now, before we go off the air, there are uh, dozens and dozens of pretty reputable people who are very concerned about you know, economists that are very concerned about our economy. We're going to have uh, Professor Lawrence Kutlikoff on tomorrow. We have uh, economist Andy Sutton on next Thursday. And generally, the, the general overtone is that it, it looks like we're in for a big market crash. And to quote Peter Schiff, we're not going to have a downturn um, um, uh, uh, th that's going to be the worst since the Great Depression. It's going to be a downturn worse, including the Great Depression. Now, there's many that feel that way, and they give good reason for it. If you look at the real numbers, and we won't spend time doing that, everything from employment, the amount of money that the government owes, um, et cetera. Anyway, it, it looks like, and many of them are saying that, you know, come October, November, you know, be careful. We may have a severe downturn, at least minimally a very severe uh, correction in the market, you know, which will then precipitate other movements. What's your take on it before we, we, before we sign off? Uh, if we do, this will be the fifth time in my career that major markets have fallen circa 30, 40, 50 percent. 
the truth is, Joe, uh, and your listeners are going to hate me saying this, uh, at 64, I'm still somebody who's trying to increase my wealth. And the idea that I could buy some of the fine companies in the S&P 500 for 50% off is personally attractive to me. To the extent that we do have a decline, I think it would be normal and healthy, although it will scare the hell out of all of us, including me, despite all my my brave words. Um, I believe equity markets are overvalued, but I don't believe that equity markets are valueless the way that some of my colleagues believe. The S&P 500 is an example, although I'm not a general securities analyst, is comprised of very fine companies that unlike their counterparts in government learned a lesson from 2008. I remember doing securities analysis in the early part of the last decade and watched these companies hide debt hither and yon. Now these companies are hiding cash hither and yon mostly mm-hmm. offshore, so they don't have to pay tax on it. Uh, these companies have increased their profit margins, they've lowered their cost of capital, and they have driven an export boom in the United States, even in the face of the strong dollar. So these are extraordinary companies that happen to be, in my own opinion, overpriced. They're overpriced because we've artificially manipulated interest rates down so that their dividend yields are artificially attractive and their costs of capital are artificially low. If the interest rate goes up, the attractiveness of their dividend yield will go down, which should impact their equity price. And of course, the cost of capital on the debt part of their balance sheets will go up. My own belief is that uh, a, a, a decline in the market, which I think would be normal and healthy, albeit painful, will be just that. I am not one of these people who call for or are suggesting the end of Western civilization. I can tell you, Joe, as a credit analyst, I've been nervous about the state of the economy, the states of the country, the states of markets for my entire 40-year career. (laughs) And, And the truth is, when I look at every aspect of the discussion, um. I think we are overdue for a decline that has to do with a return to reality. I do not believe that the circumstance will be uh, hugely problematic for people who are prepared. I would urge people that rather than being terrified about the economy at large, that they spend more time preparing their own portfolio and their own personal balance sheets so that they can take advantage of the discomfort of others rather than being taken advantage of themselves. You know, I tell my wife, I said, you know, the unfortunate part of what's going on, I said, you know, my wife knows the way she said, I'm always working. I'm always, you know, I save everything. I, I, I pay my bills on time. I, uh, my wife went to get a credit card at a major store who had some work done in the house, and the credit manager came out, and he asked her to come in, and she thought that maybe someone stole her identity, and she couldn't get a credit card, you know, because we got a discount if we had the credit card. That's why we did it. And um, he sat her down, and he said, I had to meet you. She said, well, isn't my credit good enough? He said, oh, no, I didn't have you come in here for that. He said, because I've been doing this for many years. 
and you are the only person that I've ever processed a credit application on that got an absolutely perfect credit score. She came back. No, I'm this God's honest truth. She came home. I said, he did? What's a perfect credit score? What's the number? I have no idea what it is. She says, I don't know. I didn't ask. I said, you didn't ask. And, and so, you know, I've always played that card, and I've always been that way. And I told her the other day, I said, you know, it's unfortunate. I said, if there's a real bad downturn in the economy, you're going to be a wealthy woman. You know, but, but that's what you say. You've got a plan. And I always friend, plan, uh, always our, planning. Our, our, you know, our, it's, our it's, mutual friend, Doug Casey. Yeah. Uh, once spoke at a conference of mine, and he said the function of a bear market is to return wealth to its rightful owners, the prudent. <laughs> yeah, then, <laughs> yeah. You know, he invited my wife and I down to Argentina, and my wife wants to go. I said, okay, let's, let's go. I got to give him a call. Maybe we'll go down there for a while <laughs> enjoy the sun yeah. or something. Maybe in the winter time, you know, when it's nice and sunny down there. Now, one other thing, and, and I'll let you go. I'm sorry. I, I know we're, we're taking a lot more of your time, and I apologize for that. But the SCO, the Shanghai what Cooperation Organization uh, between China, uh, Russia, India, and the stands, you know, Pakistan, Uzbekistan, or whatever, right. um, they, they, they will be trading, bypassing the U.S. dollar, using the yuan. And from what I understand, China is going to back the yuan with gold. In other words, if you want to pay with yuan, you can pay the yuan, and then you can, tra- you can hand in your yuan for gold. In other words, the old gold standard prior to uh, 1930, whenever it was, you know. Anyway, but uh, here in the United States, when the United States, uh, well, I guess prior to 1971, officially, then we got totally off the gold standard. But will this not put pressure all around the world for company, countries to drop the dollar as the sort of res- you are the world's reserve currency? And there is some speculation that this may be the demise of the dollar, and a lot of these dollars will come marching right back to the United States, causing a, some inflationary bubble that will destroy our currency altogether. Uh, I think not, Joe. Uh, the Shanghai Cooperation Accord uh, puts in place the framework for limited convertibility of the yuan into gold for specific purposes among specific trading partners. There is not a suggestion that the yuan itself will either be freely convertible or convertible into gold. Okay. It is my belief that no government would ever have free convertibility into gold because doing so would limit their power. Right. And no government that I'm aware of would ever do anything that limited their power. Right. Secondarily, uh, and I don't want to name names, but at Sprott, we have a very large uh, Asian government client. And when I once talked to that Asian government client about their holdings in U.S. Treasury securities, which exceeded in the, in, 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 with this client 400 billion U.S. dollars, when I asked them about the interest rate that they were getting, relative to the stability of the debtor, i.e. the U.S. government. Uh, and I suggested that the instrument that they were buying might in fact be sort of a, uh, a lie. My counterparty looked at me, smiled, and said, ah, yes, Rick, but a very deep and very liquid lie. And I said, so in a sense, you trust us? And he said, absolutely not, but we trust you more than we trust each other. And my suspicion is that when you look at the members of the Shanghai Accord, 
while they resent the United States, they still appreciate the uh, transparency and liquidity of U.S. capital markets. And although they don't trust the U.S. government, they want to trust the U.S. government, and they trust the U.S. government more than they trust each other, particularly because of the depth and the liquidity of the U.S. government securities markets. I am not, as you know, a defender (laughs) of the status quo with regards to U.S. fiscal management. I would only point out that the strength in the U.S. dollar over the last five years hasn't been a function so much of U.S. strength, but as a consequence of the weakness of the of the uh, currencies that it competes against. Yeah. Okay. Well, Rick, we we took more than our allotted time. Um, I I want to thank you so much for being on our program. I really thought I should send you a send you a, a check for a seminar because I learned so much when you're on here, and I do appreciate so much. You know, your wisdom, your, your insight, and it puts so many things in perspective for me because so much of what I read, you know, is in concert with what you're saying, but sometimes they overreach and they put the scare factor into you, you know, so I appreciate everything that you've said, and uh, I, I really look forward to speaking with you again. Well, Joe, it's always a pleasure to assist you in fighting the good fight. Okay. Uh, I look forward to being on your show again, and I enjoy uh, uh, talking to some of the subscribers that you have as a consequence of these of these phone calls. So thank you very much. Right. Thank you so much, Rick. Right. See you again. Okay, Bye-bye. folks, this is the end of today's broadcast. We'd like to thank our sponsors for the financial support, and we'd like to thank you for listening in. You can further the cause of liberty by recommending this program to your friends and let us hear from you. Our email is just comments at libertytalkradio.com. Remember, as my wife would say, you're either allowing your liberties to be taken away or you're striving to protect them. Unfortunately, folks, there is no middle ground. Until next time, this is Joe Cristiano. You've been listening to Liberty Talk Radio. Stay well. Stay tuned. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.